So Money episode 831, Veronica Dagger, host of the Wall Street Journal podcast, Secrets of Wealthy Women. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I got the message to max out my 401k. I got the message to pay my credit card on time. But for some reason, when I was like 22, I had never heard of an emergency account. And I had never thought about that. I don't know why I missed that message. In the next few decades, America will experience one of the biggest wealth transfers in history, $30 trillion. And women will be the ones receiving most of that money. Are we going to be ready for it? Well, our guest today is dedicating her profession to helping everyone, men and women, become more financially empowered and admits that she too didn't always understand some of the basics of personal finance. Veronica Dagger is here with us today. She's the host, co-creator, and producer of the Wall Street Journal podcast called Secrets of Wealthy Women. She interviews successful women who aren't afraid to charge what they're worth, pursue their ideas, and build a life of fortune. Notable guests have included Gloria Steinem, Maria Sharapova, Mary Higgins Clark. I actually joined Veronica on her podcast on New Year's Day, along with some incredible women in personal finance, Jean Chatsky, Bobby Rebel, Sharon Epperson, and Deidre Bolton. Veronica's podcast is more than just a job for her. It's a passion. After losing her father early in life, she watched her mother struggle to learn how to just write a check during the worst moment of her life. And that memory has stayed with Veronica, fueled her desire to manage not just her own finances, but to teach others how to also live a full life. Here's Veronica Dagger. Veronica Dagger, welcome to So Money and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me, Farnoosh. Just FYI to listeners, you know, Veronica so kindly invited me onto her podcast, which is uh, going to air this month. Um, check it out. It's the uh, Secrets of Wealthy Women Wall Street Journal podcast. Me, Jean Chatsky, Bobby Rebel, and a host of other fa- fantastic female um, financial whizzes. I was honored to be a part of the cast. And I learned a lot, let me just say. And I learned a about myself, but also about how other um, really incredible people are planning to uh, master their money this year. We all gave our financial resolutions. Uh, What's your financial resolution, Veronica, for the new year? You know, this is going to be pretty boring. Well, at first, I want to say thank you so much for coming on of the course, show. Of course, yes. I can't welcome, wait. welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This is so much fun. I'm such a huge fan of yours. So I'm really excited. Um, so yes, learned a ton from everybody when they came on the show talking about their resolutions. My personal resolution, and like I said, this is pretty boring, but I like to save money. And so I would like to save more. So yeah, I'm doing pretty good on the investing front, but I think it's always good to have more cash on hand, depending on what your overall situation is. And for me, I would like to make my emergency fund even bigger than it is. And so that's a big goal for me this year. 
And what is the purpose of the savings? Like, is that what is the goal? I know a lot of us, I personally want to save too, because I feel as though the market is going to be particularly erratic this year. We're talking about a recession. We're already technically in a bear market. Um, and so lots of incentive to save just to save. But is there a particular like purchase or move you have in mind? And by the way, our sponsor, Chase Slate, is obsessed with this question. I, I kind of posed it far earlier in the interview than I normally do. But this is a question that we have partnered with our sponsor to ask guests. So just a shout out to Chase Slate. Um, but tell us, if, is there something kind of at the end of the rainbow here? Well, I have, this is another nerd answer, but I have been <laughs> looking around and seeing that there's higher CD rates, higher money market rates, mm-hmm. even on a high end, on a high interest checking accounts. I've been seeing higher rates there. I already have a high interest checking account or savings account rather, but I would like to open another with a different company just because I want to see if I can, I'm pretty confident I can get a better rate than what I'm getting right now. And so I am sort of excited by some of the higher interest rates that I'm seeing on those accounts and I want to take advantage. Yeah, that's one of the positives of a, of a rising interest rate environment. Right. Uh, one of the few, I suppose. One of the few, yeah. <laughs> if you're looking to buy a house this year, it's going to be more expensive in in some ways. Um, but let's let's take a step back and uh, and share with the audience a little bit about how you arrived at the podcast currently, which is um, the hot item on your to do list. Uh, it's it's getting a lot of buzz. I have friends who are listening to it, and that's how I first kind of woke up to it because I, you know, you get sort of bogged down in your own podcast production world. I, I don't listen to a lot of other shows, but um, I'm definitely listening to yours in the new year. Com- comes highly recommended from a lot of my smart women friends, Secrets of Wealthy Women. Um, the title um, says a lot, but uh, w- w- there's obviously a lot of advice that women can share, powerful women about how they built their wealth. And there's a huge wealth transference happening in the next few years, billions of dollars into women's pocketbooks, which is amazing. What have you been most excited about with producing this podcast? What's kind of been um, a development or a, a learning experience for you that was unexpected? Well, you know, it has been so much fun during doing the show. And as you said, there's this 33 estimated $33 trillion wealth transfer happening going on in the United States. Women stand to control a lion's share of that. And so we want to find a way to better address this audience, make sure that they're getting the advice they needed. And so one of the things I love about the show is we talk to women not only about their money, but we talk to them about their careers, their successes, their failures. And one of the things that's really stood out to me in doing this show is how willing our guests have been. And these are all big name guests. These are people like Gloria Steinem and Carla Harris and Bethany Frankel and Jean Case and Rebecca Minkoff. Some of these women are so honest and so willing to share not only the good times in their life, but the struggles they've been through. And some of those struggles are very emotional, very personal struggles that many of us, uh, many of the listeners have gone through. Certainly me as the host have, have experienced a few of them. And their willingness to share those struggles openly with the audience and show the example that, hey, there's life on the other side, whether it's, you know, after a divorce or after a bankruptcy or a failed business or getting fired from a job or what have you. The whole theme, I think a big theme of the podcast and so many of the women share is this whole idea of resilience, coming back from 
situations that aren't always in your favor and having the courage to keep going, especially when you're sometimes the only woman in the room. Right. Speaking of being the only women in the room, were a lot of, have you discovered that when when it comes to their struggles and their hardships and the um, adversity they've experienced in building their wealth and building their businesses, that it was very specific to their gender or, or was it stuff that, stuff that men also go through? You know, some of them I'm sure men go through too, but I think when it comes to women, especially who have their own business, I have heard that they are told more often than not, you know, we don't, you know, investors may say, oh, I don't understand this business. It's, you know, it's a a girl business. Like this doesn't make sense. This will never be successful. They'll have more difficult time trying to get funding for their business. They'll be talked down to by male investors. They will be ignored. Um, There's obviously some outright sexism and chauvinism going on that they are dealing with or they have dealt with that I don't think the guys deal with, quite frankly. I, I don't hear those stories as much from the guys. And all of these obstacles women face or often face has an effect on how they view themselves and it can chip away at your confidence if you mm-hmm. let it, if you kind of buy those messages that society may send to you or the business world may sometimes send to you. And so I think hearing the success stories of women who have overcome that are, is really powerful because I know that there, I've gotten in the emails, I've gotten the tweets or messages from people saying, hey, this was my situation too. And it's really inspiring. I feel really inspired to hear these women who have persevered despite setbacks. Yeah, you can really get bogged down by those stories that people tell you or that you you create in your head. Um, right. Speaking of story, I want to dive into your personal money stories. And if you had to look back in time as you were growing up, what was the money story that you grew up with? And how did it change over time? Hmm. So... My situation growing up, you know, I had a mom and a dad and pretty stable situation and things were going really well. And then my dad died suddenly when I was a kid and my mom was left to be a widow with two young kids to raise. I was 11. My brother was 13 and my mom hadn't been in the workforce. She uh, did not know how to write a check. She didn't understand the investments or my dad had businesses and didn't understand, uh, you know, what was involved with those things. And I saw, you know, how things can one day be very stable and normal to all of a sudden seeing my mom, who is now my sole parent, sitting at the kitchen table trying to figure out, you know, crying, trying to figure out how to write a check and having my aunt sit there and coach her and try to be like, okay, this is what you do. And here are your financial statements. Let's open these envelopes and see what's in them and understand like where the accounts are. So I saw my mom grieving, you know, she was actually a widow in her forties, which is, you know, I think the average age being coming a widow in the United States is now like 59, but she was in her, her low forties when this happened and completely not prepared for any of this and how to learn about money and personal finance at the absolute worst possible time. And so I saw her deal with that and that stress. Um, you know, to her credit, she eventually learned, she had some really good female friends who taught her 
and she learned. Um, and she, to her credit, she also made sure that I was always going to be a financially independent woman. She didn't want me to ever be in a situation, whether I got married, whether I, you know, became a widow, hopefully not any of these things, you know, she didn't want me to go through the same tragedy, but there's a good chance because women outlive men, uh, generally speaking, in the United States, like there's a good chance that I probably will be a widow someday. So, OK, I want you to be prepared is what she would like absolutely drilled into me. And so that kind of helps fuel my career and fuel my interest in women's issues and doing this podcast, trying to empower women in a positive way, trying to write stories about women and money and and how they can help themselves before they're in a crisis situation, you know, and I also saw my mom get approached, you know, some financial advisors are great. I saw some financial advisors try to approach my mom and try to defraud her or lead her in a really bad direction. Luckily, she didn't fall for any of that. She was smart enough to, to trust her instincts and, and ask, ask around about some of these folks. Um, but, you know, I, I got a view into some of these issues that women fall into and how difficult it can be. So anyway, that kind of motivated my career and my interests and also made me very determined to be financially independent, not rely on someone else for financial information, be able to handle things on my own if I need to do that. And and let's face it, many women aren't getting married or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a really high divorce rate. And so you need to be able to be independent if something happens. It's uh, a running theme in your life, right? Being raised by a strong woman and then you become that Mm -hmm. strong woman and now you are spreading the the wisdom of other really strong women who have persevered, who've overcome challenges, personal business. That's a really incredible story. Your mom must be so proud of you. (laughs) She is. She's really sweet. She listens to the podcast and she'll make comments. She's really, she doesn't miss an episode. It's really, it's really, you know, I would recommend you interview her. Um, it might be a bit of a, you should, I mean, it's a little bit of an outlier. Your mom's not like a household name. You've interviewed so many famous women, but I think, uh, I think listeners, I've interviewed my parents on the show a couple of times. It's always, I love that. It's always really fun to hear from the parents' perspective, especially I'm sure as you have built this loyal audience, your audience really loves hearing from you as much as your guests. You've become a character in this podcast of yours. Um, I would, so just, just a tip. I would definitely listen to that because to hear it from your mom's perspective, um, would be really special as well. Oh, that would be fun. That's a great idea. I'll have to talk to her about that. So failures, I suspect a lot of your financial accomplishments or financial run-ins have been categorically successful. Um, You have a successful career. You are you know, immersed in financial advice day in and day out. It it does make a positive impact, I will say, uh, firsthand. But along the way, I've been, I've made mistakes. You've probably made mistakes. What's been your biggest money mistake? That's a good question. So when I was younger, I started, I worked at a dot-com right out of college. And, you know, I yeah, I knew it was risky. And so I wanted to be this model financial citizen. And so I ma- I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was sure because my mom had told me, make sure you contribute to your 401k, which I did. And I actually maxed it out. Um, so I was maxing out my 401k, paying all of my bills, um, but I had nothing, literally like nothing left over at, at the end of the month. I was literally, you know, to my budget. 
And so I knew I got the message to max out my 401k. I got the message to pay my credit card on time. But for some reason, when I was like 22, I had never heard of an emergency account and I had never thought about that. I don't know why I missed that message. So anyway, fast forward, you know, a year or two, this startup company had trouble. They laid people off, including myself. So here I am laid off with a 401k, an apartment to pay for, or half an apartment to pay for because I lived with my brother at the time. But I had no like emergency savings. I had no cash on hand. And that was, and I, meanwhile, I thought I was doing all the right things. I thought I was totally on point. Um, So I guess my, my big message, and that's why I always talk about emergency funds, probably till I'm like up, you know, uh, you know, in uh, on and on and on. Um, Just because I learned that it's so important to have that cash on hand if you need it. You know, some people say three to six months of expenses. Some people say six to 12. I mean, I'm, I'm probably, you know, a little bit neurotic about having more than 12. I think that's important. Um, But luckily I was in a situation where I, I lived in an apartment with my brother, like I said, and he was very generous and helped, you know, spot my part of the rent uh, until I got another job. And so I was very, very fortunate. I had that situation of, you know, someone to fall back on. Um, but I, I said to myself, I'm not going to find myself in that situation again. I'm going to have a good cash cushion if something happens because you never know. You never know. You could lose your job. You could make a bad investment. You could decide to switch careers. Nothing tragic. You actually just want to, you know, uh, take initiative in your life and do something um, that will take time to maybe uh, come to fruition. And so you need to cover your expenses in the meantime. You want to travel, all the things. You actually made a career transition. You've been working in uh, a sort of like financial news slash um, business news slash personal finance for the better part of your career, but you didn't always start out in this career path. And so what, what was your moment when you realized I want to now transition to journalism and what were you doing before that was not, uh, super satisfying? I had always wanted to be a writer and that is something that was themed throughout my life, but I never really thought I, don't, I just, for some reason, I never thought of that as a career or as a job. I never thought, oh, I want to be a reporter. Like that never occurred to me for whatever reason. And so I studied business at college and I eventually got my MBA too, because I loved business. I loved finding out how companies made money, how things, businesses worked. Um, like I said, my dad had a business, my grandfather had a business. So business and entrepreneurship, all those things were just very much the top of my, my head, so to speak. And um, so, but I always, but this itch to write was always there too. And so I wrote a little bit, you know, for school newspapers. And then I, I worked in various business jobs after graduation, you know, one for a startup, one in media buying, you know, and they were fine. They paid the bills and all of that. But I wanted to just be a writer. And I, um, I think what, what um, what tipped things for me is that I had some success as a freelance writer. So I was working a nine to five job in media buying, but I at night I was writing freelance articles, pitching freelance articles and getting them assigned for pay. 
And I think the moment that I was like, wow, I can totally do this potentially as a career is I had pitched something to Ms. Magazine that, you know, the Gloria Steinem uh, co-founded or founded Mm -hmm. and they accepted it. And I remember going to a newsstand in Grand Central and buying a copy of Ms. Magazine and seeing my story in it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Like there's a newsstand in Grand Central that has my byline, you know, a magazine with my byline in it. This is insane. Um, And then like, I think after that moment, I was just like hooked. I was like, okay, I I need to do this. I need to find a way to make this work. And you actually interviewed Gloria Stein and did you bring this up to her? I think that would be really fun. You know what? I before the show, I had mentioned it to her. I was like, "You were one of my first major byline." She's like, "No way!" She's like, "That's wow. so cool." She's so, such an, yeah, uh, she's, she's such a she's, she's like really a living crazy. legacy. My goodness, she is. It's I know she's inspired so many women. It's crazy. Love her so much. It's really neat. I know. Um. All right. So we do, you did take us back in, in time and you shared so much about that really hard time in your life when your dad passed away and your mom's at the kitchen table. And do you remember um, a very vivid kind of like conversation or like come to Jesus that you had back then when you were a kid? I, we, you know, we, we've, you kind of went down memory lane for us. Um, it's a question I'd like to ask in terms of like, what was a, uh, like a money experience that you had as a kid, specifically if there was like either an you know a job that you had or a conversation that you had that was hugely impactful, um, and maybe is something that was a lesson that you'd like to carry on to the next generation or you know something that has been you know playing out a lot in your life as a, an adult. Um, I'm trying to think. So I would get an allowance when my dad was alive. Um, we, I forget how often the allowance was. If it was weekly, if it was monthly, I don't remember. But like just for doing like a little chores around the house, my dad would give us money. And I remember saving that allowance because I wanted to buy my dad um, gloves or something for Christmas. And so I saved all my allowance for like a couple months. And I went to the store in town and I bought him the gloves and um but like and he loved the gloves and he was so happy but I remember thinking oh my gosh I spent literally everything I had on the gloves I had no money left for my mom I had no money left for my brother's gift like I and I it didn't occur to me because I just was so focused on getting this one gift for this one person and you know and it was sweet and you know I don't think my mom or my brother didn't even get mad at me I think I was like I don't know how old I was maybe like seven or eight or something but um I remember thinking like oh okay if you spend all your money on one thing you're not gonna have enough for other stuff and I mean it was just like a very primitive way to learn it but I think that kind of carried with me like okay like there's not an infinite amount of money out there you have to make I guess that was an early budgeting lesson you have to make um the resources you have work as best you can to meet your multiple goals. Like if you can't just focus on one thing, you need to focus on multiple things at the same time. Right. Right. Well, speaking of budgeting, do you have a budgeting uh, trick or is there something like a non-negotiable category that you just budget a little bit more for because that's just who you are? I guess in terms of a budgeting trip, uh, trick rather, I think a lot of your listeners probably do this. I automate my 
savings. So every time I get paid, I automatically take a percentage of my saving my money out to um, to put into a high interest savings account, and then obviously certain percentage also of my pay taken out to my 401k. So that's just done right off the top. So I don't um, I don't think about that, and I do my best not to touch that emergency savings account. I just try to kind of set it and forget it, just leave it be. Um, in terms of spending, I will say I do, even though I have a coffee maker at home I and I make coffee every morning and drink my coffee, I do buy, we have a little cafe here um, where I work and I do spend like the three bucks for um, an Americano, a large Americano every morning, just because it helps me get going. It's like, like my third shot of coffee for the um, the morning just to help me focus. And that's a bit of a little, um, it's a little indulgence. It's not a big one. And I know some people say, oh, that's, you know, kind of wasteful and it's crazy, but um, it, it's like $3 and five days a week. So yeah, it adds up, but that's something that I will put in my budget. That's like a little bit of a splurge that I will allow myself to do just because I feel like it helps me focus at work. Right. I mean, for someone who's got her 12 month plus emergency savings, I think you can shave a little bit off the top and get a, get a coffee for yourself every day. <laughs> I will allow that. Um, going back to your podcast, Secrets of Wealthy Women, you've you mentioned interviewing all these incredible people. What has been the one interview? I know this is an, an annoying question possibly, and you might get this a lot, but um, it's worth asking because it's just, you know, how many interviews now have you done? Um, probably about 50 or 50. So. Okay. So yeah. it's not like you've done a thousand and this would be impossible to answer, but maybe there is one that does stand out that specifically spoke to you um, the most, you know, because maybe you felt a connection to a story or you, it inspired you to do something. Mm. Yeah. There's been so many amazing women with so much great advice. Um, it's hard to pick, but I, you know, one person that's really coming to mind at this moment is, uh, Moira Forbes. She's the executive vice president of Forbes media and, you know, her dad and her grandfather, are obviously very well known, but she's, she's, become, uh, I don't want to say a celebrity, but a very uh, important force in the media world on her own too. And one thing is that she said, well, for a career lesson, she said, don't be weighed down by other people's expectations, because I'm sure with the last name Forbes, people are always assuming things about her. Um, so that's one thing. But her financial lesson, which I thought was really important, um, is she said, you know, to take 10 to 15 minutes every week to work on your finances. Like, so she was just talking about how she's met so many women. So many of them are just like incredible and just look great and have, you know, perfect highlights or spend hours planning their vacation. And, you know, obviously she's talking about some very wealthy people, but they spend hours planning their vacation or picking out their wardrobe, but they may not know anything about their money. Uh, and part of the reason is they feel like it's so overwhelming that they're so much to do, which in a way, yeah, there's a lot to do. But her advice, which I thought is a good one, is just take it in like small pieces. So you don't have to learn everything in one sit down about your money. Just maybe take 10 minutes one day to learn, and you know, 10 minutes some other day to learn, like set a weekly appointment with yourself just so you can get more educated or make some of those financial moves that you've been 
wanting to make, but you keep procrastinating. So taking things in small chunks, that way it's more manageable. And it's not like, oh, you know, this big idea of finance or investment, you know, like looming over you. It's no, it's like, these are like little lessons. These are little steps to take one by one. That way you'll eventually slowly become as savvy as you want to be. I like that a lot. And I know with tax season approaching that this, my old modus operandi was to like just sit down for an entire day and get everything organized, sometimes more than a day in terms of, you know, pay stubs and all the rest. Uh, But I find that Mm -hmm. once you kind of create a system of folders and knowing, you know, accounting and like, you know, just like the little tricks to make sure that when January, February rolls around, you're not cramming everything in. And also everything is where everything is easier to find that way too. Um, So I have folders for, you know, my uh, checking um, statements, bank statements, mortgage statements, things like that, that are going to be important for tax time and making little notes as far as maybe changes that we made this year. If we bought a car, if we sold house or we had a kid, like these are all important tax updates um, because I know that um, it's a lot easier to forget things too when it's all, you all have to kind of figure it out, you know, that one day or those, like those two days. Um, Sidebar. But uh, let's do some- Let's do some so money fill in the blanks. On your show, do you do kind of a quick like how do you end every episode? Is there a is there a format? Yeah, so every episode we ask women what their money secret is. So oh. and that's yeah, some sort of like I love that. Secret. So uh, and it's not like a deep dark secret. It's more like a piece of financial advice. So some people say I max out my four hundred one k, or I only shop on sale, or what have you. And so you know mm. we ask them to identify themselves and give their money secrets. So it's like money a fun secrets. little way to hear people's secrets. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing I do. It's not it's not a major a major thing, but I I find it kind of cool and tricky. Uh, is that whenever I have to make a big purchase, whether it's a furniture item or something for the house, I um, will wait till all my credit card points rack up. And then Mm. I go and I buy gift cards through the, um, through the, through my credit card, you know, there'll be like ultimate rewards, like through Chase has, you can buy gift cards with your, um, with your points to the stores that you want to shop at. And then you go and you use those gift cards to buy the items. So I've done that with That's dining smart. room furniture. It can, it's like getting stuff for free. It's not even like getting stuff for free. It, you're getting free stuff, <laughs> but it's, awesome. it's just a way. It's a little cumbersome when you're like typing in all of those gift card codes <laughs> online, but it's just copy paste. It's, it's just, yeah. it's totally worth it. And something that I oh. try to take advantage of at least once a year, once the points have really accumulated. So there you go. That's fun. It's not really a wealth building tool, <laughs> but, but no, it's clever. No, saves it's a lot of money. Yeah, um, for sure. But we love to end every so money episode. Sometimes it doesn't always happen, but I'm going to try to make it happen this time where I start a sentence and then you finish it like kind of like money mad libs. Just okay. whatever comes to mind first thing. Don't overthink it. Okay. So Here's number one. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is give money to family members and give money to charity. Nice. The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is uh, I buy 
an Americano every morning or Monday through Friday. <laughs> a little I, I've been starting to drink Americanos too. Um, I love them. With some steamed almond milk. My mom, that's Yum. her thing. And I kind of like side-eyed it when she first ordered it at the store. And I was <laughs> like, what is this concoction? So fancy. But now I've adopted it and it's amazing. I have one every day. Um, how about this? The one thing I splurge on, so we're talking a big chunk of change that I'm unapologetic about. I know that's important to you to be unapologetic about how you manage your money, but what's the spend that you're unapologetic about? That's a big spend. I love a good massage. And so every quarter I'll go to Bliss or someplace like that and get a nice massage for myself just to relax. And I think I see it as not only something that's nice and relaxing, but I almost see it as a healthcare expense, yes. so to speak. Like it overall, it makes you feel good about your body and yourself and helps you just feel healthier. And so that's how I justify it. I know when I was on your show, I think one of my tips or my resolution for everybody was to first specifically breadwinning women, because that was my um, that was my assignment was to come on your show with that tip was to really take care of yourself this year, um, because I think Great women, advice. all women, regardless of how much you're making or where you are in your life, I feel like we put everybody else first. Um, which is what's amazing about us, but also it can really take a toll. All for right. Sure. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is? I wish I had been interested in investing in stocks when I was a kid. So I wish I had asked my mom to open up like, you know, custodial IRA when I was a kid or something when I was, you know, less than 10 years old, get that ball rolling much, much sooner. Yeah. I remember being in high school and all the boys were into stocks and not a single girl. Um, wow. including me. And I think at the mm-hmm. time, I just remember thinking like, it's so abstract. What are you even, what are you even doing? Like it just, I just didn't have any basic education. And I think if anyone had just sat and explained it to me, I think also because, um, I, I equated investing with making a lot of money and I wasn't interested in making a lot of money for whatever reason. Mm. I was just like, that's mm-hmm. not really who I am. That's not my character. I'm not in it just for the money. It's such a money-driven thing. And now I realize like, I was naive. <laughs> Money's a good thing. Have money too. Right? Money's a good motivation. Don't ever be, yeah. you know, don't ever think you're not good enough to make money or not that kind of person. I think that's another story that we're raised, right? That like money is icky or being rich is like for bad people. Um, I don't know. It's always in like... For sure. The, and you can, yeah. It, because in, in was, cartoons even, like the bad guy is like the rich oil tycoon. That's true. That's true. There's a lot of media messages too. Um, yeah, someone, one of my sources was telling me you can... You know, she realized a little bit further down the road in life that she realized she could make a huge impact by becoming wealthy so she could become more of a philanthropist. She mm-hmm. could give back more. The more she had, she had more to share. And so that was a way she reframed that kind of money is evil uh, dialogue that she previously had in her own mind, too. Right. No, I believe that when women make more, the world becomes a better place. Because to your point, I think um, women tend to, generally speaking, tend to think about others first, right? How do we nurture Mm -hmm. our families? How do we provide? And imagine if you had more money to do all those things. I think that is a great wake-up call and um, motivation to go out there and earn what you're worth, for sure. And then keep some for yourself, too, because you're worth it. 
For sure. All right. And last but not least, I'm Veronica Dagger. I'm so money because... I'm so money because I take an active role in managing my money. Indeed, you do. Good luck with those CDs this year. I think they're going to be good to you. I think. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but really, oh, thank exciting. you for for coming on our show, but also for having me on your show, listeners. Let's uh, make sure you go to Secrets of Wealthy Women Wall Street Journal podcast and check out Veronica online. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your time with us this new year, and and best wishes to you. My pleasure. Thank you so much again for having me. And yeah, I hope you have a great new year too. Thanks to Veronica for joining us. Her podcast, again, is called Secrets of Wealthy Women. You can subscribe everywhere podcasts are available. She's also pretty active on Twitter and Instagram at Veronica Dagger. All this information is back at SoMoneyPodcast.com. Make sure to check us out. Join the newsletter. Ask me a question for our Friday episodes. Just click on Ask Farnoosh at the top right or leave a voicemail there. And by the way, let me know if you'd like to co-host. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. So money.